welcome to the Seeking Veganism podcast. My name is Jess and I'm back with another amazing episode. First of all, I hope you're all having a wonderful day so far and I'd like to thank each and every one of you that is here and listens to this podcast. So thank you so, so much. I have to say that I'm very excited about this episode. Um, it is probably one of my favorites so far in this podcast. I got to interview Dominic Thompson, who is a vegan athlete, entrepreneur, and vegan activist. He's well known for his animal and human rights activism on social media. Now, in this episode, we talk about his time in prison and why he experienced an awakening and basically how he made the connection to veganism in prison. We also talk about how he broke the stereotype of masculinity and meat, and he shares what it is about the vegan diet that makes him feel so awesome. And honestly, we talk about so much more. I would need a long introduction right here if we have to like cover everything that we talked about. But honestly, I'm sure you will love this one as much as I did. So let's just honestly get right into it. Enjoy. I'd love for you to just kind of quickly introduce yourself to us and tell us about your story, about what you do and how it all started for you. Uh, sure. Um, I'm Dominic. Uh, some people know me online as Dom or Dom's Thompson. Uh, I uh, started this beautiful journey of uh, doing all I can not to cause any harm in any way possible with this lifestyle that people will mostly identify as being a vegan or in other um, communities and capacity, no, no meat or uh, plant-based, however you identify. But um, I stopped eating meat about 20 years ago when I was in prison. Um, it was there that I came to a, uh, uh, a well, it was there that I hit rock bottom because uh, I come from very humble beginnings in, in Chicago, uh, born and raised uh, on the west side of Chicago. Uh, I'm a former gang member and drug dealer and I turned my life around. Uh, once I entered the uh, prison system, it was that first week I decided to create this mantra for myself that if it requires harm, then no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And that includes going back into a lifestyle um, of putting poison into my community as far as drugs as well as um, contributing to a multi-billion dollar industry, destroying over 50 billion um, farmed animals per year. Uh, so I decided to do a hard reset um, and I never looked back and that was 20 years ago um, and I know a lot of people do give testimonies and say how they how this lifestyle has changed their health around obviously it, it has tremendously done wonders for my health but um, you know more importantly it has uh, given me opportunities after opportunities to make real impact and real change and just to be a different human being overall from the way I make ethical decisions from businesses to uh, my beliefs and, and, and energies and more. Um, and it just does a lot to uplift you mentally as well, uh, which I know a lot of people really don't discuss. Uh, so it's been a really great a great transition. Um, and it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. Um, I know a lot of people know me for um, being one of the strongest, if not one of the more recognized uh, athletic vegans in the community from what I have done historically on the triathlon circuit and, 
and my background being powerlifting and more. Uh, but a lot of people also know me for my activism uh, for human rights and animal rights and more, as well as my two uh, uh, small, busy startup companies, Eat What Elephants Eat, which is our food and nutrition company, and uh, Crazies and Weirdos, our clothing company. So that's a little bit about me. A little bit. I love that. No, that sounds absolutely amazing. Um, I'd love to hear from you <clears throat> what happened in prison that kind of made you go. Um, I believe you first went vegetarian, right? Like kind of what was okay. the point that you were like, this particular moment I remembered it made me go vegetarian. Yeah, I, I, I removed it. It was just that I had a memory when I, I was trying to figure out why was I there? Um, if, I mean, sure, my actions caused some consequences for me to be placed in that situation, but I'm a more critical and deeper thinker. And I felt like, uh, what was the universe trying to show me? And I decided to um, uh, meditate or um, get down on my knees right then and there. Uh, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, but um, I decided to get down on my knees in my jail cell just to connect to the universe and, and try to search for answers. And everything led me to that first memory I had when I was eight years old of making a connection to meat, to animals. Uh, my mother was serving me chicken wings and I decided not to eat the chicken wings. Um, it's very um, uncomfortable to tell a single black mother uh, that's struggling to make ends meet uh, on the west side of Chicago, working multiple jobs that you're not gonna eat what she can put on the table. And so I looked at those wings and looked at her and I pushed back and said, I just don't want it. And she asked me why. And I said, because they look like little bitty arms. I was already a, a very picky, fickle eater, which is unusual for somebody to come from a very poor background. <laughs> Uh, but I did. I was very picky. I would pick through chicken or anything with a bone attached and just I would be in disgust and I would just eat, try to like a surgeon, extract the little meat from the veins. Like I, I hated seeing those veins. So uh, but that memory of me pushing back against her when I stopped eating chicken wings um, came into my thoughts as I was searching for answers. Um, um, praying to the universe and connecting to the universe. And then like a light bulb went off. I was like, okay, I get it. This is what karma's about. I, I had an opportunity to um, um, make some changes there. Cause I don't care if you're an eight year old Dominic or an 80 year old Dominic, if you don't completely see through what the universe is trying to show you, uh, chances are very strongly in the favor of karma and the universe. Uh, it will come back to uh, respond to you in some type of capacity. It could be through health issues, diseases, financial downfall. Um, in, my, in my situation, incarceration, uh, where I felt like the universe was just pulling me in a timeout situation where I needed to really re do some unpacking mentally and and unlearn a lot that I thought was normal. Um, and it just made so much sense to receive this messaging from the universe. And that's when I denounced it and stopped right there, you know, uh, and never looked back. 
how was it though then in prison i mean it's probably not too easy to just say like okay guys i'm not gonna eat meat right now so <laughs> please make me something vegetarian so what did you end up eating all of the time yeah we don't have that option in the u.s prison system you know well things may change may, things may be a little bit different you know but when i was serving my time uh, 20 years ago we didn't have vegetarian or vegan options um, and i knew nothing about food and nutrition uh, i just like most people in western society uh, this is before social media. You got to understand. So your audience that's listening, this is 20 years ago. We didn't have social media. Then we had documentaries. We didn't have these influencers uh, changing our thoughts about the way we uh, imagine food. Um, food to us was meat and potatoes or anything with meat. We needed the protein. But I didn't care. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen to my body. <laughs> Uh, I just knew that this was an ethical decision that I needed to make because I was always an animal lover. And I always just knew that the this meat was being sourced from some type of death, some type of dark energy that I didn't want nothing to be a part of. So I didn't care. Uh, I, used, I guess you can say I tested myself out as a test dummy, just eating carbs. I just was like, as long as there was no meat, on my plate, I'm good. So I would trade my meat protein with my cellmates for their carbs. And they thought I was crazy. They thought I was weird, hence the name crazy and weirdos. And they really felt like I was just out of my mind to give them my meat protein in exchange for their pasta, their potatoes, their their corns, any, any carbs, complex and simple carbs. And I ate it, I ate it all. Um, and I end up, losing weight like all that inflammation just started disappearing that uh, extra weight that i had on me started disappearing i went from being over 250 pounds all the way down to like i think the lowest i got in prison was like between 190 to 200 in that area like 195 a solid muscle uh and it went on to become uh, one of the strongest in my specific prison system because we would have what's called liftoffs and I was in the top 10. I was benching uh, over 400 pounds like it was nothing, squatting uh, over uh, 400 pounds like it was nothing, 500, deadlifting over 500. It was just, it was an incredible thing to see this transformation of strength uh, that was just very organic and natural for me. Uh, so yeah. That's so awesome to hear. Um, I'd love to kind of touch on the fact that still today, unfortunately, you know, men believe that they need to eat meats, you know, to be like manly and to have basically what you experienced in prison 20 years ago. Like people thought you were crazy. Like, why would you, you know, swap up your meat for for uh, for a carb source because we still think or many men think we still need meat in order to like be manly and gain muscle how do you like why do you think that is still the case today um and how do you kind of deal with that because i mean of course if, if people look at you they know that it's it's possible to you know um perform and look a certain way and still be like the so-called man, you know, that we like to see in society. So how do you like, why do you think that is the case and how do you deal with that? I, I think it says a lot in, in this day and age in 2020, you know, five years ago, I probably would have had a different response to that, you know, but we 
whether you're on social media or not, whether you are uh, connected to someone that's in the plant-based community or not, or have seen it in magazines or documentaries, I think a lot of us, I speak for a lot of us, uh, it just says a lot about the growth and how, how much of an open mind that person has and their, their intelligence and maturity that, that re, for those people that specifically have a close mind and say, you need me to, you need me to be manly. It just really shows, it really defines them in a lot of capacities. You know what I mean? So um, again, it would have been a totally different answer. And I don't really, I don't get, I don't get any pushback from guys, you know, once they fall into my profile or if they run into me at the airport or anywhere in the gym and they find out that I'm a vegan, they'll they'll just pause and be open to listening. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I do know that's not always the same experiences for other vegans, especially women, uh, you know, that date honorable men um, uh, with closed minds. And these men are, usually like, no, babe, I, you know, I got to eat my meat and meat. And then they will send them to my profile and they, and they'll either consider it or send them to another guy's profile that's vegan and they'll consider it, or they'll just be like, no, nah, they, you know, uh, men can be very egotistical, you know what I mean? So you can show them all the science and the data you want, but sometimes, especially the younger men uh, that are immature, can be very egotistical. You can show them all the data to support why they should take this chance and this uh, opportunity to just see. Um, but a lot of them just don't wanna change. Usually men don't wanna change until they discover something on their own. Cause they feel like they are, you know, they explore, they discovered it. Not my girlfriend that told me or not because she sent me to some guy that they might feel like a little jealousy of, you know, it, it's just a lot of different, um, reasonings behind why that guy may or may not change. Um, and I can't do nothing but continue to do what I do is educate. Um, I, I just feel like I speak for a lot of people, whether you're vegan or not, I, there's over, there's close to 8 billion people in this world. That's close to 8 billion sources of energy. I have no desire to waste my energy on some people that just have a closed mind. For, for what? <laughs> for what? When there's other people that are willing to listen, that are open to listening, uh, that deserves our time because you can replace almost anything in this world when it comes to materialistic things, to when it comes to even some relationships and people, but you cannot replace your time. Your time is more valuable than anything. Um, and, and this is exactly why I didn't want to reschedule with you. I was like, I'm not going to reschedule this. Let's do it. Uh, you know, so when you, um, your time is important. So I would say for those that get that pushback from that family member, that friend, that lover, that partner, if they have a closed mind, don't even waste your time. Keep it moving. You know, they may not be for you uh, or they'll come back. You know, just continue to do what you do to be productive and to live your truth. And then they'll eventually play catch up if they truly genuinely care. Definitely agree. Yeah, it's, it's so hard. Sometimes I also ask myself, like, why don't you just at least try to understand? <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, if you're so passionate about what you're talking about, it's just so hard to like, 
it's like you, you're talking against the wall. It's like nothing is just coming back. And it's like, I think it, your, your kind of approach is good and just kind of like close the chapter and be like, okay, you know, one day maybe you will realize, but I'm not gonna push myself onto you anymore. That's why I also think it's important to have kind of like those different ways of activism. And I just love your type of activism because you're basically showing other people like, hey, you know, I look great. I perform like in, an, in the like in the best shape of my life. I can do whatever I want and there's no need to harm anyone. And I love that. I think I feel like this is also why I do what I do. I want to show people like you don't need, <laughs> you know, to harm anyone and you will you will just feel absolutely amazing. Uh, some people react better to like, you know, um, animal cruelty pictures like, you know, the cube of truth, something that I know would have wouldn't have worked on me like for me i love to see other people feel great and i want to know their secret so have you ever like um had someone come up to you or write you like hey you actually like as a guy now um that you made them like turn vegan and or have you helped anyone do that before oh absolutely people uh, have been influenced definitely through i, I tell people all the time when I'm giving my speaking engagements, the best form of activism that we have as a weapon is social media. Like, you know, they, I, I always tell them, one, your profile should be public. Two, you should be using those hashtags because well, they'd be a picture of you posting your lasagna vegan dish or your, your vegan chickpea fritters uh, or your, your vegan bowl. Uh, you may post something that looks really aesthetic, really savory and amazing and yummy that may look better than my picture or someone else's picture. And you never know who may stumble across your profile through the algorithm, through the Explorer page, through the hashtag, through a similar account that they're following. Um, food pictures are a form of activism and they'll see that like, huh, you know what? That looks pretty good. I thought they just ate salads and carrots. You know, like, they, you know, like the, the misinformation is out there. And you might get someone, whether it be a guy uh, or girl or admirer, like, I'm, you know, especially if you're an attractive person, they may say, huh, I might try this out or try to impress them and stuff like that. Let me do this or trying to impress someone else in their life. And they see that recipe and try it out. And then you might have converted someone, which is a beautiful thing. I don't care if you have one follower or one chance and one opportunity to convert one person person is still one person eating animals, one less person eating animals, which is a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I get a lot of great comments and a lot of great feedback, especially through our Eat What Elephants Eat program, because we teach people food and nutrition pretty much one-on-one. Uh, we have over 3,000 plant-based recipes, and whether you have five minutes in the kitchen or 50 minutes in the kitchen, whether you're a college student or a working professional, we teach you and educate you uh, how to uh, eat and cook vegan uh, from the start to the finish and even have the, the food uh, grocery list delivered to your door. Uh, and you have the macro account information right there. So it's, it's a really beautiful program that's accessible and more importantly, affordable. So we got a lot of uh, thousands of subscribers literally that are very happy with the program. That's amazing. Why elephants? Uh, because his, biologically and scientifically speaking, the largest and strongest walking animals in the world are vegan, which is elephants. Um, and it, it was always something that people uh, identify more. We are visual creatures. And to sum up something that is so majestic and so of a powerful in all moments to people, when you look at natural selection in nature, 
to say that these very um, in all animals only eat plants uh, just says a lot about the fact that what we think is a very uh, uh, a very uh, society that we live in where a lot of ignorance is associated with different animals because humans are animals too and historically men most of the time would like to identify with like a lion and 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 it was just something that in the very beginning stages of my um, journey as an educator that I will re reference people to the elephant, like the elephant eats plants, very, very, very young, young Dom that would reference that when I was very much into my journey. And I would just tell people to eat the same thing, elephants eat plants. Um, and it, and then just stuck, it just stuck, just eat what elephants eat. Uh, and it's something that I uh, uh, never look back on, so yeah. That's beautiful. Um, what do you tell people when they give you the argument that we always <clears throat> used to eat meat? We humans always used to eat meat. Well, that's that's not that's not accurate. That's very inaccurate. And again, that just shows you their level of you know uh, maturity and education because depending on the region, different natives of different regions and different climates would be more frugivore. Um, and and if you look at your physical attributes our hands are made for picking and not made for claws. Uh, we don't have the physical attributes of a true apex predator or a carnivore. We can't run up to 20 miles per hour or sense our prey up to a mile or two by our nose and our, five, our different senses. We, we just don't, and we can't, we're just not naturally born killers. We're not engineered to kill. Uh, we have to use man-made tools and we also have to cook animals up and, and cut them up. That says a lot. If you show me a human being that can do that without using any man-made tools that can actually go out here and chase an animal and eat it in this whole form, or even jump into uh, the uh, uh, ocean and, and swim along some marine life and breathe the water, then I tell you, then, then maybe we are not frugivores or herbivores. Um, maybe we are carnivores, but the science just does not support that. Um, the, the, the earliest humans to participate in eating meat um, uh, mainly were scavengers because they lived in colder, colder climates, meaning they would wait for that kill to be done with that, that apex predator. And we were scavengers, we would just eat the remains of the meats and stuff like that because we had nothing else that was uh, being harvested or produced uh, through the cold season. So it really depends on the region you're talking about when it comes to humanity and its origin stories. Uh, but again, you can just look at your own hands and your own physical attributes. I don't care what your ethnicity uh, is or your, your region you belong to as a human. Uh, that's not a definitive answer that we always ate meat. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it's like this argument just comes a lot, especially with like elderly people. Like when I talk to my grandparents, it's kind of like, you know, but we always used to eat there. We needed to be healthy. Um, do you think that anyone can be vegan? Uh, I do. I don't believe that. And when I say that, I mean, obviously, with access to foods and, and depends on and their education plays a role and, and more. Uh, this the the problem with there's a couple of things that's being a couple of things that's challenging to that answer is the fact that we do live, live in a society where people just meat or no meat don't have access to uh, 
quality produce, you know, or live in uh, uh, regions that are not set up to truly uh, eat off the land, especially when you get into more urban environments and in a system where there's food deserts and more. Um, also, the biggest uh, biggest problem to that question is the educational component. People are been conditioned for so long, no matter their uh, salary or their financial class, just to believe that you need meat to survive, and and it's just not sustainable. It's just not true. So if we can educate more people about that to understand that when you go into the grocery store and you eat uh, uh, outside the perimeter, stay within the produce section, uh, if it is quality, um, uh, you will have a very healthy, very healthy, long, sustainable life that's that's going to have better improvement to your, your health and your wellness than eating boxed foods that's in the perimeter. And, Vegan or not, we there. There's some box vegan foods where you'd be like, "Oh shit, it's it's just not good." Store shelf food is not good. Uh, only only thing that's good in the frozen section uh, is uh, fruits and vegetables, which still has a pretty high profile of nutrients when it's froze. Uh, it's actually even more uh, inexpensive. Um, but everything else, if you can stay on the perimeter uh, and eat those uh, veggies. Conventional or organic, if, if possible, it depends on what you can afford. If you can do organic, uh, do organic when it comes to the soft tissue of the fruits and veggies, uh, like the tomatoes and uh, the uh, uh, cucumbers and, and kale and lettuce. Those the leafy greens will always be organic because they're vulnerable to pesticides and more when they're being uh, uh, farmed. But uh, hard shells like cantaloupes, uh, avocados. Uh, save your money as long as it's not GMO. Just just uh, uh, buy conventional uh, veggies in that source because you'll save a lot of money in the long run. Uh, but lastly, to the thoughts of that question, you know, look, do I think we will ever see a vegan world? No, I I don't. Um, not in, not in my timeline. You would need to get all the governments local national, international governments involved to sanction and mandate laws to control um, that uh, food system. Uh, because people, if anything we have learned from this pandemic, or if you want to call it a pandemic, whatever your thoughts are behind it, uh, we have, it has shown us that people are going to do what the fuck they want to do. <laughs> and no matter how, how amazing of a person you are, educator, and how amazing someone aspires to be and look like you. Um, you can have the biggest platform. If one of the biggest influencers or um, celebrities was to go vegan overnight, let's say if The Rock was to go vegan overnight and then followed by other people that are influential, uh, even the Kardashians announcing like, we love to be vegan. I, it's, you got, again, close to 8 billion people in the world that just are more traditional in some ways and they just don't care about animals. They don't care about the environment. Um, most of them don't care about their health. Um, and and that's just, to, you know, I, I, I hate to sound not optimistic, but I don't think we will ever get a vegan world. And that's okay, you know, we and that's fine. You know, like we... We'll continue to do what we can to influence those that want to change, and that's fine. You know, we shouldn't feel frustrated uh, because life will go on. We can just do what the best we can do, if that makes sense. Yeah, 
I think we will have a vegan world one day. <laughs> Probably not in my lifetime, but maybe like my grand grand grandchildren. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's what I mean by that. Not in not in our lifetimes. You know, yeah. um, in the future. Look, who who knows what's going to be inside the world? The world will. You know, the funny thing about the world and climate change is real. Uh, but what people don't talk about, the world is not going to die. The world will go on. The world is just what's inside of it. It's going to face some very difficult times to survive and thrive in a very, uh, uh, very uh, challenging environment that human beings have created due to um, polluting the world with very selfish lifestyles. Uh, if that makes sense. So earth will always be here. It's just what's inside of it. It's going to be changing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What do you tell someone if, I don't know, let's say your neighbor tells you, but I only eat like local organic grass-fed beef. I'm already doing everything that I can. What do you, to, what do you tell them? I let them know that, you know, that's still not an ethical choice because at the end of the day, it's going to be destroyed that animal that has eyes, that has a soul, that has the want to live like you as a human being still wants to live and you are contributing to the fact that its life is ending sooner than its natural lifespan. Um, and also it, it, it says a lot about your privilege if you can source from that because you can't, we, we cannot set up sustainable farms to support and feed the billions of other meat eating people in the world that's just not a sustainable practice it's just not it's it just it's no way it can be sustainable um i would rather hear that you have bought something that was created in a lab <laughs> like lab meat uh, which is a future it is a very strong weapon in the future against uh climate change and more uh, versus you saying you you were the reason you reasoning by for for this animal being uh, breaded and eventually destroyed um i i i'll just communicate my thoughts with them for us ethically uh, at the end of the day did you ever like you probably did but like how do you react to someone that is just like yeah but it doesn't really touch me like they're there for us to eat them how do you like how do you react to that? I don't I really react. I, I used to be that angry vegan and very be very responsive to that. Uh, and secretly judge them as being idiots. <laughs> uh, I don't judge people as harshly as I used to. Uh, that just shows you my growth uh, in this journey. Because there are some two things. There are some omnivores out there that still eat meat there are amazing human beings they just haven't made the connection they just haven't they haven't made a connection or um or if you have an omnivore in your life if you're listening to this if that mother that dad that uh, student that teacher friend cousin lover hasn't made that connection it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a shitty person it just means that maybe your influence is not strong enough for them Maybe you haven't found the end way to influence them. People have some way to be influenced, whether they care about their health, their environment, or ethically animals, or you need to re rely on science to understand that not everyone's chemicals is running the same way as your chemicals in your brain. Meaning some people just lack empathy. Uh, they don't have that emotional connection that you may have. 
And that's fine. You know, that just shows you that they're engineered differently. We're all, we're all very unique human beings. So why, like I said earlier in this, in this recording, waste your time on that person. Who are them for you to win that, win them over? Like who are them? How important are them? How, how important are they to you in your life? And even if they are a close loved one that you have some type of intimate relationship with, you know, if, if, if you are doing it for ethical reasons and they just simply are not going to change, then it might be time to detach yourself from that situation because in the, in the long run, it's going to hurt you and continue to frustrate you, especially when you do have a deeper intimate connection with that person, um, uh, especially if you're in a relationship with that person. So it's, it's, you're going to save yourself heartache down the long term um, if you decide to stay with that person that simply is not going to change because some people are simply set in their in their ways and that's fine but understand this is this is the frustration you would deal with time and time again because that is someone that you have an intimate connection with do you have close people in your life that are not vegan uh i do but they're plant-based they eat primary they're they're transitioning because of me uh, so With that being said, like I, my cousin, my cousins are plant-based. My nephews are plant-based. My brother is plant-based. My mother is plant-based. Uh, my nieces are transitioning. So I have a lot of people that are close to me uh, that are trying and they're transitioning and they had done a lot of, re, uh, reduced a lot of their meat consumption all because of me, uh, which is great. They're trying and it's better than, trying is better than nothing at all in terms of, of, a partner like I'm well, I'm single um, and I would never exclusively date or be involved with no woman um, if she's not uh, I'm vegan uh, specifically uh, uh, ethical um, that's a deal breaker for me uh, you have to um, it's no way I'm coming home or coming to your place and there's dead animal parts in your, in your fridge. I don't have to, again, why, why waste our times? You know what I mean? Like why waste our time? So, yeah. 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 Completely understand that part. You said plant-based, a lot of people don't know the difference between vegan and plant-based. Can you explain that? Sure. I mean, depends on who you ask. Everyone has different definitions for me, my definition, my thoughts on it. I do understand how frustrating it could be with these labels, but labels help cause disruption. Labels help cause progress. Uh, labels is very, it's, it's a formal, it's a, it's a weapon. It is, it, it shows you what community people belong to. So I think labeling does help. It really does. It really says upfront what that person stands for, what type of integrity they have. Um, and so with the labeling, when you really look at it with a, very close look uh, under a microscope with respect to the uh, vegan and plant-based community. Uh, vegan means, again, this is my thoughts. Um, that means that your whole lifestyle from the clothes you drive, the clothes you buy to uh, if you used to go buy a new vehicle, um, you are down to your toiletries and your personal care products. You do not buy from no company that use animal products or have tested on animals. Um, you are very much ethical in all your choices as a consumer when it comes to uh, uh, being a vegan. Uh, 
you also too um, believe in and understand that humans are animals too. And you have compassion for human animals too. You believe in human rights, everything from um, the lives of others um, to um, people that are facing different challenges to going back to the animal kingdom because we all forget that we're part of the animal kingdom too. So veganism really is, uh, being a vegan is really about being compassionate in the sense of the ethical reasonings for that. Um, and the beautiful thing is your health is, is, is will benefit from it if you do eat a right, proper plant-based diet, which leads me to the plant-based discussion. Plant-based is really those that are, their diet is plant-based. You know what I mean? They just eat plant-based, but they may about be out here buying leather shoes or <laughs> leather coats and suave and uh, don't care about what they put on their face as far as makeup and products and stuff like that that's been tested on animals but their diet is plant-based or their diet may be 80% plant-based. They're just based, it's just based on plants. It's plant-based, just like the term says itself. Uh, so those are really the two main differences between those two words. Yeah, I think they're pretty accurate. I describe it the exact same way. <laughs> so I love it because I still get that, that you know, plant-based and veganism is the same, which- Oh, it's like, absolutely not the same. It's, yeah. it's absolutely not the same definitely agree um awesome i'd love to ask you kind of going back to um your time in prison and then when you left i mean you were vegetarian so what happened then when you left like you know what were the next steps for you um it just dawned on me real quickly going back to the last question just so people know you do have some vegans that use the term plant-based because it's more aesthetic and corporate. And it also draws in more people. They don't feel uh, turned off because some people are turned off by the word vegan. Um, so just so you, you all know that you do have a lot of people out there that are vegan that will say plant-based. And that's just their way of trying to draw in a bigger crowd or, or they may have a different beliefs on this. I just want everybody to know that uh, just so you understand, plant-based to some people does mean vegan. Um, uh, but going back to the recent question, um, what happened? I I just exit prison, and you know I I spent all my twenties dealing with the legal system, um, and just getting back on my feet. I uh, got back on my feet. Eventually, was able to land a job in corporate America. Uh, because my felony was not a violent felony. It was just a, a drug felony. Uh, it was my first time being a first time offender. It just so happened it was a very serious offense because um, my former lifestyle of being deep in the streets uh, caught up with me. And I was able to get into a job and me being the type of person that I am, once given an opportunity, a second chance, I took it and put it in a headlock and ran with it. So I, I elevated, um, I, I elevated in corporate America healthcare specifically, and went from working in um, in an account rep position to dealing with the central business office at a hospital system to developing their contracts and negotiating their deals with the payer system, and, and elevated from there, and kept elevating to the point that I was running and managing markets in the East region as a healthcare executive and, and, and um, uh, was responsible for a lot. And, and uh, um, 
Um, and it was that when I finally was able to really catch my breath and finally, well, I was living in New York City. Um, uh, me and my ex at the time had our place in New York City. Uh, we stayed in Midtown, New York in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, a friend of mine uh, reached out to me like, yo, you should get on this cool app. You know, you're always talking about veganism. You're always talking about uh, food and we should stop eating meat. You should get on this cool app that all the cool kids on. And I was like, what app are you talking about? What are you talking about? What is an app anyway? You know, this is like eight, nine years ago, whatever. He's like, it's called Instagram. I was like, Insta what? <laughs> He's like, just download. He's like, Dom, trust me. This is a childhood friend of mine. He, he knows I'm a visionary dude. He knows that I'm a creative. Uh, my background, I, I was very advanced in architecture as a kid. Um, so very, very um, creative and very advanced kid, you know what I mean? A gifted child uh, in that sense. It just so happened that I was gifted in other areas in the streets. And so um, with that being said, I downloaded and I, and, I, and I looked at all these people doing selfies and all that. I was like, this ain't for me. I'm too old for this, right? And he's like, no, trust me, man. Just, just use it like a blog, you know? And back then blogs was out too. They was, but I, I didn't have the desire to do a blog and to, I didn't have the time. I was a very busy working professional, um, but it made sense. All I can, all I needed to do was post a photo and, and use that caption to educate. And I was a very early adopter of the captions. So I cre created this profile and I would post my workouts um, and educate people about what I ate and educate people about the farming and animal agriculture system, unapologetic, unapologetic about it too. Very assertive, no nonsense. And, and this is why I was working full time uh, as, as a working professional and my account took off. It, it was, it was, uh, it organically literally took off to the point that I had gained and became the, I had the largest vegan male account at the time, at that time. It was two big, it was only two of us that came out strong. It was me and Rich Rowe. Uh, that's why me and Rich Rowe go way back. We know each other for years. Rich came through the mass media. They was highlighting him in, in magazines and stuff. And I just came on an organic circuit through this new thing called social media. We didn't, social media was not what you guys think it is today back then. It was like, no one knew what an influencer was. <laughs> but here was this, this black man from the streets, no nonsense, was assertive with his education, unapologetic. Uh, and can back it up. You know, it was just speaking and walking the walk. And it was a breath of fresh air for the vegan community because historically the stereotypes that you would have of a vegan male was two types. Um, both were white men. One was either a middle-aged ultra-endurance athlete such as Rich Rowe, you know, uh, or one was like this hippie Australian dude like a James Aspie telling my let's go whole hands and uh, or be on some different stuff, you know. And I was different, you know, I was different uh, than what they were used to. And, you know, they used that and ascended me and would reference me in a lot, um, uh, to the point that magazines noticed me and started writing articles on me on how I was redefining masculinity, uh, from men's health magazine, NPR, ABC news. And before I know, knew it, I had NYU asking me to speak at my first, I gave my very first speaking engagement at NYU, uh, at the university, uh, 
I didn't ask for that. It just organically happened. Uh, they wanted me to speak to their students and I did. And word of mouth and that's thing you know, I'm giving this giving speaking engagements all over the world. <laughs> so it all organically happened, which is a beautiful thing. It was not planned, but I thought what better way to use this new platform than to do some good. At that time, the poaching crisis was at an all time high uh, in Africa with respect to the elephants and the rhinos. So I wanted to use a t-shirt campaign to bring awareness. And that's when I created Eat What Elephants Eat, the famous number one selling vegan shirt in the world. And it took off, it went viral. Um, and I remember fulfilling those orders in my little New York apartment, me and my ex-girlfriend. She was a lawyer, I'm a healthcare executive. She was pissed at me because she felt like, you know, we got better things to do with our time. I can't believe, to me, I, I was surreal. I was like, this is cool. <laughs> we sending orders from New York to all over the world, from India to London, to Austria, back to New York, to California. It was pretty cool to see thousands of people. It just went viral, that the shirt. And um, and, the, and and the I, I said, it needs a home, it needs a brand. Like, you know, I knew better. Like, got to do another campaign and that's when I created Clark Kent was vegan and that rivaled the first one to the point that uh celebrities were sliding in my dms uh, our very first a-list celebrity that said she was a big fan was Molly Cyrus and she okay. slid in our dm asked us to send her a care package I didn't think nothing of it we sent it and she posted it to her 33 million instagram followers at the time with a blunt in her mouth and middle finger up saying to go vegan. And this is obviously this is when before she recently announced that she's no longer vegan. But it was surreal to see this influence, this little bitty company birthed out of New York City has such an influential impact. It was pretty dope. Um, and uh, I never looked back. I had to re resign from my position. I resigned on my own terms because I needed to run that at full capacity. And I never looked back. And, and, and here we are today with the I started my second company uh, two years ago, uh, food and nutrition company, as I told you, eat what elephants eat. And we hope once COVID dies down a bit, we will be opening up some juice and smoothie bars sourced from urban farming, our plants, um, while also serving an underserved community. And we're gonna open up our first restaurant too, uh, a vegan restaurant here in Atlanta, Georgia. So yeah. I was having like chills while you were telling the story. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> this is so amazing. I mean, I knew about the amazing work that uh, you did, but not in such detail. And just seeing how organically everything like happened for you and how it was meant to be basically from like, you know, even you going into prison, that is the starting point of like your entire career at this point and the amazing like stuff that you do for just generally the world, right? For animals and humans. So. Amazing. When, like, how long did it take you from the very first picture that you posted to like the moment where you're like, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> Literally, it happened within that first year that that account grew. Like, and back, but keep in mind, back then, engagement on social media was like 50%. It was new to all of us. It was like, it was a new world. It was just like, oh my God. It's just, it was so amazing to see different creatives and people put out content that you never had access to before because society historically with media would push propaganda, what they think you should receive as the ideal aesthetic influencer or creator or celebrity versus here we are in social media, the wild, wild west, especially when we 
another thing too, we didn't have algorithm back then. We had chronological order, <laughs> which was dope. I mean, you could keep scrolling to, you, if you want to catch up on like all your latest social media news, you just go all the way down to 8 a.m. Like, you know, you just scroll to the earliest. That's what people would do. They're like, oh, shit, I missed so much because I've been at work. Let me scroll, 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 scroll to the beginning. And now you don't have that. It's, it's I, I don't like the algorithm. I don't. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And, I, and it, it has definitely been biased um, and, and, and has been it suppressed a lot of great people and material that the world can benefit from. Uh, so I am not a fan of the algorithm now. And I honestly, that's why, and to me personally, I believe engagement has went down a little bit, uh, a lot, not a little bit, went down a lot. Engagement used to be up to 50% for a lot of people. Now you can get less than 1%, uh, even your biggest celebrities. It, it doesn't matter. It's very, very small uh, what people see on their timelines these days. Yeah, yeah, I remember that time when you had to scroll down all the way. Yeah, <laughs> it was good, amazing. those are the good old days. Those are the good old days. <laughs> totally agree. It's like everyone is just so fed up with the whole algorithm thing. It's like all of the content creators that like make used to make so much money off of it and they put so much amazing work into it and just like so much amazing work. So yeah, yeah, it's just so sad, but. That's yeah. what it is. So how do you how do you manage social media like right now to educate people? Uh, I I just since day one, I, I can tell you this. I'm not a planner. I don't post as you don't have, I don't have scheduled posts like influencers. I don't uh, there's no rhyme and reason to my beautiful mess of content. <laughs> I really post off the feeling of what I'm feeling, you know, like if that's it could be a spontaneous trip to like my last post was me going to the dog park with my fur kid. And, uh, <laughs> and I was looking at him, like, uh, this is my new rescue, my Husky and looking at, he was looking like, <laughs> you know, like, and he was just watching someone go by <laughs> and I just spontaneously thought like, you know, when you pull up being in a joking way, like a fun post about that to me, even just as like now, like this is part of my work schedule doing an interview with you and uh will i was being creative in the kitchen and and filmed me working on a i was working on a contract looking over some legal work of this contract that was sent to me for review and he kept bothering me and the little one kept bothering me my fur daughter uh and i was like this is the dog with dad life let me just film real quickly it was it was organic and you know that post reached 50,000 different accounts, you, you know, within like hours. Uh, so based on the, the insights and more. So I don't, when it comes to content creation, I'm not one of those that like rely on a gallery to look an aesthetic way. I think that's corny. That's just not me. <laughs> Cause it's not authentic to me. You know what I mean? And but look, some people love it. That's just shows you how different everyone is. Like, I don't care how my gallery is all over the place. I don't care that it doesn't look very nice and very filtered and colorful. You know, like what you see is what you get. Like one minute I'm talking about human rights and, and social justice causes. I care about another reason. Another time I'm talking about animal rights and, and, and eating this amazing plant-based diet and what I did today in the gym and whatever. Or, or, and the next minute I'm talking about dog dad life. So I just spontaneously, it's just based on what I, Oh, yeah. I love that. I think this is what really kind of sells. People see that. People see like the authenticity. They see it. They see how authentic you are. They can tell if you're fake or not. Like I, and there's nothing fake about me. I just go with the flow. 
you know, it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, what is it that makes you feel awesome about like eating this way? Because I feel like a lot of people are in that kind of like, yeah, I want to do it, but I'm still kind of scared. I'm going to miss my eggs. I'm going to miss my cheese. Like, what is it? <laughs> Two things. There are a lot of ways you can do this diet. I mean, the beautiful thing with the advancement of technology, pretty much almost 95% of what you eat now on any type of diet can be veganized. And if you want to go to junk food way, that's fine. The animals don't care. You know, if you want to be a junk food vegan and eat comfort food, do it. You know what I mean? Or if you want to eat whole food plant-based and just eat healthy and look like you, <laughs> they can do it, you know? Uh, and there's just so many different plant-based diets within the vegan community. There's probably literally over 30 different ways you can eat plant-based in different ways uh, and have fun with it. Just do it as a journey. Like, don't hesitate, just do it. Uh, because it's a, it's a beautiful thing. There's no right or wrong reason. There's no perfectionist or perfect vegan out there. You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but at least you're trying. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that anybody can understand. Uh, lastly, I'll reference this too, as an experience from my own personal experience. When I first stopped eating meat, literally within a week or two, my energy, the way I felt, it was the closest thing, and I tell people this all the time, that I felt to uh, being a superhero at that moment. It's, it's, it's like the, it was like one of the best experiences I have had in life. Like my body, the way it responded, it was a beautiful thing. And I just felt like a very strong superhero. It was crazy. Uh, so if you're looking for that natural high and that, that response, Man, I, I got to tell you, if you do it right, if you eat the right foods, whole, you know, really do it, really balanced vegan diet, it, it, it'll be, you'll never regret it. It'll be the best decision you ever made in your life. Do you pay attention to like macros or like how bad, like no, how not you at all. that's a young person's game. I, 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 I used to pay attention to it when, especially when I was hardcore into triathlons, because I had to keep up with what, what's going into my body. Can You can easily dehydrate and have a bad performance if you're not on point. Uh, but I don't care. Like my, my, keep, tracking macro, macros is more, it show, it's more people that really care about aesthetics and more. I don't care about that. And nothing against those people. It's just not me. I'm not engineered to care that deeply about macros. Like I just eat based on the feeling. Now, do I know what I get mentally? For sure. But I don't have like a macro counter. I don't base my 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 dieting on macros it just i got more important things in the world that i care about than to care and catch up and keep track of macros i don't care <laughs> so it's you kind of you have the knowledge though so you actually know I have the knowledge for sure i'm not gonna lie to you i do have the knowledge i do know i can if you ask me how much protein do i get in a day i can tell you ideally what i get i can't break it down specifically the amount that i got for the day because i don't care like, it's just not that serious to me. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say is like your ultimate favorite vegan food that you could eat every single day? One of my vegan bowls uh, that I make, I make like five different ones. One of my favorites is the Eat Well Offensive OG bowls. Just, I just love a bowl of leafy greens and on top of that, putting some amazing foods such as chickpeas, pistachios, uh, Japanese potatoes, avocados, uh, hemp seeds, uh, tomatoes, and drenching it down in a very healthy dressing. Uh, 
stuff like that, tempeh with it too, to load it up like some smoked sauteed chickpea and chickpeas uh, to add to that, stuff like that. I can eat that every day. I love that. Same. <laughs> I can eat stuff like that as well. But I also when I first went vegan, I was like a total junk food vegan. I was like, wait, there's vegan burgers and like donuts. I was like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I had to try it all. Um, but awesome. That is it from my side. This was really, really amazing. Thank you so much, Dom, for taking your time. I know it's so early for you in the morning and you probably have a long day in front of you, but um, I really appreciate that your story is really, really inspirational for so many out there. And I I'm sure that people are going to listen to this and going to love this so much because like we basically talked about everything I could still go on for, you know, another hour, <laughs> but as you said, time is, you know, important. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I really no, appreciate it. More importantly, thank you for having me and thank you to anyone that took the time to listen to this today. I really appreciate, appreciate you taking the time just to hear us uh, converse. So thank you so much. Thank you as well, Dom. Take care. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I know I didn't promise too much, right, guys? This was so much fun. Thank you, Dom, if you're listening to this, um, for taking your time. Really, I get so inspired by such amazing people um, like you. So I know that this episode will bring a lot of value to you guys out there. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Reach out to me on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about this episode and share it with your family and friends who are thinking about going vegan or, you know, with anyone, basically, that you want to just kind of show like, hey, this is possible, right? So yeah, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, take care.